0: Lord, just bless the kids, God, we pray, and give them a good day in your name. Amen. So Katie was fantastic during those times, and, uh, and I was supposed to be in the mountains this week, got back early, but I asked Katie to share, and I was so excited when she said yes. Yeah, when I was so, and I saw Sam, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I, can you, okay, there I am. That feels a little loud. Um, how's that? Does, that does that sound all right? Okay, very good. Wow, this feels tall, but not too tall. I think I can I can do it. I think it's okay. Um, so good morning. Um, Sam has often opened up with stories from the week, and I wanted to hear if you guys had any stories from the week, any divine appointments any uh, opportunity to share the gospel, any answer to prayer, any, anything that God did this week that you're like, that was awesome, that was amazing. Do we have any stories from the week? Christy. That is awesome. I love that. Whenever repair people come over, it's always they're they're captive, right? And we can talk to them in our kitchens. I love that. That is awesome. Um, yeah. Anything? Is, is there anything else you wanted to add to that, Christy? Okay. I love that. That's awesome. Anybody else have any stories from the week? While you're thinking, I was standing out in the parking lot. Uh, before church started, I went to my car to get my water bottle, and this man—this is about 9:30—walked through the parking lot with a f- full-on neck brace, right? And he's walking through, and I'm like, "There's a guy walking through our parking lot with a neck brace on," um, and he walked past me, and so I called out to him, and I was like, "Hi!" And he turned around, and I said. Um, I just wanted to let you know we're a church, and we're, we meet here every Sunday. I don't know if you live close or if you're in the area. I said, but would love to have you. And uh, he said, oh, thanks, you know. And I said, what, what happened to your neck? And um, he said, well, I was riding my bike. This was back in November, and I broke my neck. And he said, we waited for a while, to try to see if it would heal itself, and it didn't, and I needed to have surgery in April, and so now I'm recovery. He said, but I broke the vertebrae that allows you to turn your head from side to side, and I was like, wow, wow, I said, is there any chance that I could just pray for you for healing for that, and he kind of, you know, like, oh my gosh, what am I, what, if, what am I, what's, what's, the, what's happening, you know, and, and I was probably from here to Franny from him, right, so I was like, nothing weird, I said, I just, I said, we believe that God heals, and so could I pray for your neck?" so um, I didn't touch him, but I just stayed where I was and uh, prayed for full recovery for his neck and that he'd be able to turn his nef- neck left and right. And when I was done, he said, I've never had anybody do that for me before. Thank you. So um, I thought that was, that, was, that was pretty cool. I'm like, Lord, it, like dissolve the metal in his neck and let it be radical and we'll see him next week. That's what I want to happen. But anyway, did he... And hello, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You're here. Praise God. We are glad to see you, Jerry. Yes, yes. We are so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. Um, Yes, Craig. Craig. Love that. Um, about three hundred a month, but uh, tons of them really opened themselves up, and Hallelujah had nothing to do with me. I used the gospel. Amen. I didn't say, Hi, my name is Craig. How are you? I just said something like, Do You know, Jesus is coming soon. Wow. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's a gift. I cannot do it on my own. Impossible, Amen. Impossible, but, uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. I'll be witnessing this afternoon. and I'm sure I'll have fun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Love that. It is fun. After we get over being terrified, it's very fun. <laughs> um Okay. Very good. So I was not here last week, so I didn't get to hear Sam's message, but I'm going to just do a little review of chapter 3, because chapter 4 is what I'm teaching from, and I feel like I need to kind of do a a little review. So chapter 3, we got to see Peter and John pray for the crippled man, right? And basically, he's asking for alms, and Peter looks at him, and he says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have... I will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, right? And then we all know the children's song. He went walking and leaping and praising God. He really did that. It says that right there in the text. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Um, and then some of the other verses from chapter 3 that I that stood out were, this is what I thought was really cool. The people recognized him and they were filled with wonder and and amazement, okay? So there were people around who knew this guy, and they're, they're, they're filled with wonder and amazement. And then in verse 11 of chapter three, it says, utterly astounded, they ran together to them. So all these people who were astounded run toward Peter and John and this man who had just been healed. Well, dream come true for an evangelist, right? To have a crowd running toward you in astonishment. Um, so Peter takes the opportunity and he steps into it, and in verse fifteen, it says he tells all the people that they killed Jesus, the author of life. You know, he just talk about going right to it. He didn't, you know, um, but in verse fifteen, he says, um, "You killed the author of life, whom God raised." from the dead. So he mentions that Jesus not only was killed, but he was raised from the dead. And then in verse 26, he says again, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So he mentions being raised again, all right? So that's the context of chapter three. So we go into chapter four. I'm gonna read verses one through four to start here. So if you've got your Bibles and you wanna read along with me. Um, So it says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came about to about 5,000. So we remember about 3,000 came to faith before, right? Now 2,000 more, again, dream come true, like, that's what I want to see happen, Um, so in verse 1 there, it says, the Sadducees, it mentions the Sadducees, right, well, they don't, they don't believe, (laughs) you guys, tell me if you can hear me without the mic, because I can just keep talking, Um, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, so they're, um, oh, oh, okay, I'll move over this way, um, so the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection or the supernatural, right? But they were wealthy, they were the intellectuals, and they were powerful. They were the, they were the majority on the Jewish high council. So they had a lot of power, uh, but they didn't have a lot of faith. So um, Jesus' Jesus's followers are now standing in front of the same very same people that Jesus had stood before, uh, right before he was crucified. Same guys, okay? Okay. Um, All right, so let's look at verses five through 12. It says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, so, um, does anything jump out at you that you, that you want to, from this passage that strikes you, that you see, um, that you're like, okay, that's interesting, or... Mm-hmm. and just seeing like what God has done mm. over, I don't know what the time period is, but four chapters later, here we are, and he's like, you killed him, it's yes. him, yes. it's all him. You don't like what we did? Guess what, it was all him, and he's just so bold. I mean, and he's it, filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's yes. just, what a change just over those few chapters and like what God is doing. Yes, yes, and that is pretty much what we're gonna be talking about, the theme of pretty much what I'm talking about is boldness. Um, So, yes, I love that you pulled that out. Um, In verse 6, it mentions Annas and Caiaphas, the very men who had plotted to kill Jesus, okay? So Caiaphas was actually the one that prophesied during, um, when they were plotting to kill him, Caiaphas was the one that said, it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. So even though he had, you know, he wanted Jesus killed, he was prophesying this true statement, Right, so they're there, um, and then in verse eight it says, "Peter filled with the Holy Spirit." Right, this um, he's he is empowered by the Holy Spirit with everything that he's saying, and then in verse ten it says, "Let it be known." It is exactly what Deanna said that by the name of Jesus Christ, that's how that's how this man is standing before you. Well, right now, it's because of Jesus. He did this. Um, And then, interestingly enough, he says, the cornerstone that you rejected. And that's actually a um, a reference to a psalm, Psalm 118. Um, And I'm just going to read a little bit of that to you. So it says, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that I have entered that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Did you know that verse was right after all of that? I've been saying that verse for a while now and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was at the end of this beautiful passage about Jesus becoming the cornerstone. So the cornerstone, if any of you don't know, I'm not an architect, so I can't go into very much detail or a builder, but the cornerstone was often a larger stone than the rest. It was laid first, and it set, uh, and it aligned all the rest of the stones that were gonna come after it, okay? So he's basically, and when you think about that, I mean, Jesus is the cornerstone, right? He is the one that the church is going to be built upon, and these guys have rejected him. So they're basically, they're getting left behind. God is moving forward with his cornerstone to build his church, and, um, unless they <laughs> repent, of course, and believe. Um, and Jesus actually quoted this passage referring to himself when he was teaching on earth, and he, he had the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes in front of him, and he had just taught the parable of the, um, the tenants where they basically abused and killed everybody that God sent to try and get the fruit out of his own vineyard. Uh, And then he said, you've rejected the cornerstone, uh, referring to himself. Okay, so let's move on. We're going to look at verses 13 through 17. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus So, looking at this section, does anything stand out to you? Does anything uh, strike you from this, these, these few verses? Okay, okay, yes, yes, exactly. Okay, how do we, uh, how do we get rid of this guy? Um, okay, that's good, I like that. That's interesting, I hadn't thought that before. Anybody else, Joe? by what power or what name. And, and, and it's like, so these guys acknowledge that it's just not some power or miracle or, but it can be by the name. Mm-hmm. And then here they're like, you can't speak that name. You can't use mm-hmm. that name. And so the, they're actually acknowledging that the power is in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and I also look and go, these guys are idiots. There's a healing, they should say, yes, yes use that name. This is yes. great, we're gonna have our, if, if I was yeah. <laughs> we want our district to have the most yearly mm, numbers in those stats. Yeah. Out, use that name all over. Yeah. Well, that seems to me. They just didn't want to share the glory or with that name. But it, it's the name that's the word. Right. Sam? Mm -hmm. and look who God chose to lead the whole
1: thing yes yes yes
0: yes exactly exactly so yes they they saw the boldness of Peter and they perceived as Sam just pointed out that they were uneducated common men that's most of us right most of us haven't been to seminary most of us don't have and know all the, how to pronounce all the Greek words and their their de- definitions, right? We're thankful for people who have, because they're a gift. But a lot of us, we're just we're just all we have is the Holy Spirit, right? We've got the I say all I'm sort of joking when I say that, but we have the Holy Spirit to open up the Word to us to make it come alive, um, and so. The word used for boldness here. Now I'm going to try and say a Greek word. Tell me if I'm wrong, Sam. Uh, perisia? Is that how you say it? Or it looks like perisia to me. But I think they told me to say perisia. Anyway, one commentary that I read: the word used for boldness here just is described as a spirit-filled courage and confidence to speak in spite of danger and threat. Okay, so. Um, and then in verse 16, it says, a notable sign has been performed through them, and it's evident to all, and we cannot deny it. That's what you were pointing out, Joe. They, you know, they saw it, they couldn't deny it. Um, that's, what, that's, what, that's what my heart longs for, is signs and wonders that people cannot deny, that they cannot brush, af- brush away, right? Um, we want those visible signs of healings that open the way for the gospel. However, in this case, the high council could see the changed lives of Peter and John. They saw the lame man who could walk, and yet they're rejecting. It's all right there in front of them, but they're rejecting it for their own power, for um, their own position. They don't want to let that go. Um, They have their own kingdom. They don't want to submit to the kingdom of Christ. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about my experience with sharing and, and bumping into hard, hardness of hearts. But le- before I do that, let's look at verses 18 through 22. So, they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because of the people, okay, they couldn't punish them because of the people. For all of them were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So... We hear, we see, and we hear Peter and John answering. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So what have we seen? What have we heard? Right? We all have seen, we all have heard. We're here. That's how we got here. Because God's done something in our lives, right? We have a story. So I'm gonna jump in and tell you what I've seen and heard. Um A little bit of my testimony. So um, I was born longing, with longing. I was longing for um, knowing that I was valuable. I was longing to know that I was significant, that I was loved. And even beyond that, I think there was a part of my soul that wanted to know that I was even delighted in. Okay? I came out of the womb that way. Um. And so did all of you, by the way, (laughs) right? We all come out wanting to know that we're valued and loved and known. That's the other thing. We want to be known in our core, right? Well, unfortunately, the home that I was born into, my dad was an alcoholic. And his drinking and his addiction did not allow him to be present with me. Um, So... I had this hole. I had this ache. My first sentence was, watch me daddy. I was sitting on top of a horse. And so at, from a very young age, I had this longing to be seen by my dad. I wanted him to know me. I wanted him to love me. And that was just not going to happen because he couldn't. He was broken and he was covering up his own wounds with the alcohol. So. I, you know, moved through life, junior high, it became my peers. I just wanted to be accepted by the cool people. If I could just be a cheerleader, then I would be popular, because that was the pinnacle of, of, of junior high, right? Um, and so it, that's, that's where it was there. I, I would try and fit myself into what do people like? What do they want me to be? And I'd try to figure out what that was. And then once I got to high school... It was the boyfriend, the boy of my dreams that I had fallen in love with in 8th grade, asked me out uh, in 10th grade, and I felt like I had just arrived. Um, And so all of myself got thrown into this relationship, um, gave everything I had into this relationship, and found myself pregnant within a year and a half. Um, And then had an abortion, which I mentioned to all of you guys a couple of weeks ago. So I moved on into college, <coughs> limping, I might add, because of all these different things I've just mentioned. My own sin, uh, the, the sin of the people around me, their brokenness, my own, right? And then on top of that, the whole idea that I was taught through public school, which is that you know we, we evolved out of bacteria and that it's all meaningless and random, right? And so I had, I was very um, broken and without a lot of hope. So I started searching in college. After mm, it was toward the end of college that I was pretty broken. I still was trying to li- find happiness in the party life and all of that, which led to further brokenness. Um, and uh, so I was searching. I was looking. I was asking questions like, "Is this all there is? If, if, if this is it, this is meaningless. This is pointless." You know. Um, and so I decided, after I graduated from college with my elementary education degree, that I did not want to be a teacher, that I wanted to be an actress, and so I was going to move to California and pursue acting. So I came out, and I actually had a cousin who invited me to live with her, and she, um, she had lived with me, actually, her senior year in high school, and she was a mess. She was suicidal, and she was, just broken in a lot of ways. And when I came out to California four years later, she was a different person. She was going to the vineyard, and she had this confidence and this peace that I had never seen in her before. And so I was really drawn to that. Well, I started going to the vineyard with her, and I would sit in the pews, and uh, I would look around at all these people, and I'm like, they think this is real. I was 24 at the time. Um, People's hands were raised, and I had never been in a church like it in the South. I mean, the only time people raised their hands in the South was at the football game to cheer on their favorite team, not Jesus. And so I was just, um, I was, I was, I was intrigued. I was, I was in awe of kind of what I was seeing. And then Lance w- would stand up front and say, "God wants a close personal relationship with you." And I'm sitting there going, "Okay, well, how do I get from where I am to what he's talking about and what I'm seeing out here?" You know. Um, So not long after that, my mom sends me a book for my birthday, and it was about um, the fact that we have a hole inside of us that only God can fill. And a lot of times, if we don't have it filled with the right thing, which is God, Holy Spirit, right, um, that we're going to try to fill it with something else. Well, I was really struggling with... Food, using food as my comforter. And so I was eating a lot, and then I would do, you know, compulsively eat, and just, it was a mess. I was, I could feel my enslavement to it, and then I couldn't get out of it. So my mom sends me this book about this woman, and she's talking about you've got to fill that hole with God, and she mentioned the Bible, and I was like, that she would read the Bible in the middle of the night, and I'm like, you know, you've got to believe, I've got to, I want what she has. She's talking about joy and peace and freedom and all this stuff, and I wanted that, but I didn't believe in the Bible. So I keep reading, and I'm like, okay, well, I want what she has, so I'm just going to throw this out to God. So I threw out this prayer to God, and I said, okay, God, if the Bible's true, and you're real, I'll give my life to you, but I'm going to need you to give me belief, because I didn't have it in me to believe that Jesus could walk on water and all the miracles. Like, I I just knew I didn't have it in me, right? So I prayed that prayer, and... um, The next morning I woke up, I had been under a depression for a long time, and it was lifted, and I was like, okay, well, that's different, you know. Things seemed lighter. I felt joyful, you know. Kept reading this book. This woman talked about God waking her up in the middle of the night to spend time with him, and I was like, well, that's cool. I want God to wake me up. That sounds awesome. So I was like, okay, God, uh, you can wake me up. Went to bed, nothing happened. Uh, Went to sleep the next night, second night, prayed the same prayer. Hey, God, you can wake me up. And nothing happened. And then the third night, I prayed this prayer. And I was, sli- I was sleeping, completely dreamless sleep. And I remember waking up and sitting up in my bed, like just, just like that. And wide awake in front of me was a vision, and it was me. I was standing there. I couldn't see my face, but I, could, I knew it was me. I was standing there, and I was um, clothed in white, and there was light radiating out of my skin and out of my clothing. And in that same moment, God poured out his love in such a powerful way for me. And in that same moment, he showed me who I was. Um, Best way I can describe it is, there's there's the iceberg sitting in the water, there's the tip above the water that we experience normally on a day-to-day basis. And then there's the part of us that he created in Christ that we are going to experience fully uh, in the new heaven and the new earth, right? But he let me be in that for like a s- millisecond or whatever. And so, w- an, e- an eternity in a millisecond, I don't know how to describe it. But, um, and then I realized I was having a vision. Oh, and I went, when I felt his love, I was, the first response was, I'm home. This is the place that I've been longing for since I was born this is the one who delights in me this is the one who knows me i mean talk about knowing you he's like yeah not only do i know you but hey look at all this that i made that you didn't even know and he showed me that so that's what i've seen and heard right and so after that happened i was just exploding with this reality of God is real. There's there's significance and meaning and purpose. We're not random. There's a God who actually has structure and order, and he loves us. It's this beautiful thing, and so I would daydream about, like, standing up on a public bus and preaching the gospel, or uh, I would, uh, uh, when we went to the Grand Canyon a few years ago, we were standing there, and there's this big plaque about you know, millions and millions and millions of years, the Colorado River did all this, right? And I'm standing here going, it's the flood! I mean, that's what I wanted to do in my heart. Like, I wanted to say, God did this. This, you know, I didn't. I wanted to, but there was a whole group of people. Um, so from that point, and, you know, encountering God's love, you know, I, I just, it's always been in me to want to just proclaim it. Did anybody else feel that after they were born again? Like, you just wanted to shout it from the rooftops? Like, this is such good news. Yeah, right? So life goes on. I, I become a wife. I become a mom. Um, I, I gain a lot of emotional healing. God had to do a lot of healing, and the vineyard was such a beautiful place to do that, and still is, Lord, a beautiful place to, to, to receive healing. Um, and I was growing. I started doing a CBS Bible study as a young mom. I had my little kids with me and we had drag them out the door and we'd go to Bible study. I did that for like three or four years. I got involved in the um, leadership and I was going a couple days a week. But then I realized, I felt like the Lord said, Katie, I want you to come back home and kind of be just present with your kids more because getting out the door was always ugly. Twice a week, it was always ugly. (laughs) You know, like, come on, we gotta get out the door. You know, and so I just felt the Lord saying, I want you to be home. So I uh, was obedient to that, and I was really enjoying this year of just being more chilled at home with my kids. And then sometime in the spring, I was asked to share my testimony at the women's tea at the vineyard, and I did that. And a friend of mine, who I didn't know that that well at the time, came up to me afterwards, and she said, would you be willing to uh, teach, co-teach with me women's Bible study? And I was like, oh wow, okay, that sounds amazing, but God just told me to do this, so I'm really going to need to hear from him if, he, if I'm supposed to do this. Um, so I basically said, well, let me pray and see what happens, you know. So I was like, well, Lord, you know, you know I love to be in your word. I love to connect with women, um, but you just said to come home, so if I'm supposed to do this, I really need you to speak to me. So within about a week of that time, the Lord, while I was sleeping, spoke to me, and he gave me the address uh, not a physical address, but a Bible address of Matthew 4:16, and then I also heard the phrase treasures in jars of clay. And so I remember knowing it was the Lord, but I was so tired and sleepy, like I was like, God's talking to me. He's, t- he's telling me something. And then I was like, don't forget. But I, I So I, I kind of like half slept the rest of the night because I didn't want to forget it. I don't know, I, I should have just written it on a piece of paper or gotten up, but anyway, I didn't. So the next morning when I woke up, I was like, okay, what? I was so excited. I'm like, what did God say to me? I knew it was him. So I opened up my Bible to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, and I read, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. You know who this is referring to, right? It's a a prophecy about Jesus dawning, right? So I knew that that's what that was. Right after that, though, it says, From that time, so this is in the next section, but right after that, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I was like, oh, wow, Jesus. And and you know how when, sometimes when you read the Bible, it doesn't happen to me a lot, but when I, at this particular time, like, that he began to preach, jumped off, you know, out at me, right? And I was like, okay, you know. And then I was like, and Treasures and Jars of Clay. So I didn't know which book that was from, so I looked it up, and it was 2 Corinthians. And the verse says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That jumped out at me again because I just read about uh, light, right? This, this, this idea of light. So it says, let light shine out of darkness. Um, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown, this is Paul speaking, um, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then a little further down, it says, still Paul speaking, verse 13 since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we speak. And again, that verse just jumped out at me. And so I was like, I think you're telling me I'm supposed to do the women's Bible study you know but beyond that I knew in my heart that the Lord was saying more that there was something more beyond just which I Bible study was amazing and I was super excited and loved doing that for about three years but I sensed in my heart that the Lord was saying there's more right so that desire to stand up in the middle of the bus right and uh, proclaim the gospel like he's like yeah I gave that to you I put that in you Um, So there was this theme of Jesus, right? His light, his light in us. And then also there was this theme of, by the way, that passage in 2 Corinthians is Paul talking about his speaking ministry that God gave him. So so I I, I had that experience with the Lord. And um, so I started the Bible study. And then the Valentine's Day of that year, I think I started the Bible study in September. The Valentine's Day of that year... um, I decided that I was gonna drag all my friends and my family and I was gonna go street preach to the high school kids who lived at the end of our street. And so we made these big posters that said Jesus loves you And I think I went and invited the kids as they were going to school that morning with an invitation, I'm gonna give my testimony, I don't remember what what I said, I don't think I probably said testimony, but I'm gonna share my story about how I encountered the radical love of Jesus. I think that's what I said. I would love to have you come and listen. So I handed this out to them. And then that afternoon, we went to this, there was this community center that was right across from where all the kids are walking when they come, Valencia High School, it's the high school. Um, so as the kids were getting out, I was going to stand over there, and I had invited them to come, and I was just, I couldn't wait for all these kids who were going to come and listen to me share the gospel and my testimony, and, um, and Cheryl Jackson had given me Cokes and candy. I'm like, gosh, if, I, if they don't want to come for my story, maybe they'll come for the candy. Um, and what mostly ended up happening was, you know, I had this microphone, and I, and I and I was proclaiming the love of Jesus, and we had our posters, and most of the kids were kind of like, you know, (laughs) like, uh, can I, you know, uh, walking down the sidewalk kind of like, what, you know, what in the world, what's going on over there, you know? Um, Now, it could have been, part of it could have been that we made the mistake of setting ourselves up basically in gang territory. We were standing on the steps of where the local gang, that was their spot, so a lot of these kids are like, I'm not going over there. That, and in fact, they were standing there glaring at me while I was proclaiming my testimony, like, who do you think you are, right? You know? So now a bunch of the Christian kids from the school came over, and they were ter- super encouraged. We had awesome conversations with them, and there were a few kids who didn't know the Lord that did come, but um, we ended up giving uh, cookies to the gang members. Like, you know, that was our, our, our offering to them for taking their, spa- their space. Um. So I shared a few more times. I would take my kids with me, um, and let's see where. You know, I was I, I was imagining in my heart like what happened to Peter, right? I wanted the Spirit to fall and thousands. There weren't even thousands of kids out there, but hundreds. I'd take hundreds. I'd take ten. I'd take any of that. Um, but. Shortly after that, I was invited to share my testimony at um, a public high school. Actually, they invited, the the leader of the Christian club invited me to come share within the the school. Um, And so I got to do that, and I basically went around. um, He was the Christian club sponsor, and they had, he had reserved a room for me to share about, he specifically wanted me to share about my abortion. And so I went around during lunch break. All these kids are sitting around out in the open air or whatever, having their lunches, and I was like, come. I'm going to share how I encountered the radical love of Jesus after abortion. I'd love for you to come listen. You know, and I basically told every single kid that, and I thought, if they don't come, they got a six-second gospel right there, right? So it was, you know, they're going to hear, they're going to get, there's a seed planted, right? Um, so I did different things, different outings um, over time after I felt like God had put this on my heart, but I know I started struggling with um, fear, and shame, and disappointment, because I wasn't seeing people coming to faith, and I'm like, am I doing it wrong, am I, you know, and of course, the enemy comes in, and is like, you're all, you know, you know, wants to shame us, right, wants to shame us, you're making this all about yourself, you know, not about me, and so, not to say that I didn't have a learning curve, because I definitely did have a learning curve, but I struggled with a lot of fear, Um, I did not anticipate the hardness of the soil, I was hard, though. I mean, if I think back to myself, it took many deposits of the Holy Spirit right before, or by God, in my life before I was ready. Um, one time, I stood on a bench in the orange circle, stood up on a bench, just me and one guy on the, in the orange circle, right? And I'm preaching on the top of the bench to one guy, and he's sitting there, and he's like, you know, I could just see the pain in him. He was like, why are you doing that? You know, like, I don't know. He could have gotten up and walked away, I guess. But I'm like, why didn't I just go up and talk to him instead of standing there on the bench and preaching to him? But anyway, so there was that experience, you know, and that, that imprint of his, like, of his um, his face, of course, you know, that, that, that was burned on me for a while. <laughs> um, and then another time, we were we were at a park, and we were sharing just tracks with different people, and I walked up to this guy, and I, and I said... I said, I just want you to know how much God loves you, and I was getting ready to share the gospel, and he exploded. He said, why do people keep talking to me about Jesus? I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God, and I, I mean, he, he unloaded on me, and I'm not, I am not a confrontive person. I do not like conflict. So sharing the gospel, you're, you're, it's already, you know, you're already, it's taking a risk, right? So he exploded on me and I just died a thousand deaths. I did, I just died. And so we still hung around the park and he was there and I actually apologized to him. I look back and I'm like, should I have apologized to him? I don't know. I said, I think what I said to him was, I said, I'm sorry that I offended you. But, it was, now I can look back and I can go, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. It's Jesus. He's mad at Jesus. He's got, he's, you know, he's rejecting Jesus. He's not rejecting me. But all, needless to say, I struggled for several years and I went into a long season of hiding from God. So I had gotten pregnant with Jillian and I was like, Whew, all right, good thing, I'm going to be busy with a newborn, and I'm going to be too busy to share the gospel anymore, I'm not going to have to do that anymore, you know, and so for about two years, I was literally, I was just kind of like, you know, like, don't, don't look at me, God, I, I said here I am, send me, but forget about that, I don't, I didn't know what I was talking about, and um, so about two years in, I'm out for a walk, and I just kind of felt the Lord go, Katie, are you ready to, are you ready to stop hiding? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and um, it was like, oh, I am hiding. I mean, I wasn't admitting to myself that I was hiding, but I'd been hiding. And a f- within a few days after that, I remember standing and just weeping and just crying out to the Lord and saying, I am tired of being afraid. I do not want to live in fear anymore, I do not want to give in to fear. And I, I just wept, and the Holy Spirit was on me. And so I was like, that night, I'm like, honey, we're going to go share the gospel tonight. We're doing it. so I, and I just have to say, my husband is not, like, this is not, like, his, like, I don't, I don't feel like I've got this powerhouse, like, thing. But he comes with me, which is such a gift, such a blessing. And he brings his peace as, as the Lord opens up those opportunities. And my kids, right? So at this time, this was about five years ago. So Allie was probably 14-ish, so too young to be driving and off doing her own thing, so she had to come, you know, (laughs) and the rest of the kids, right? So I've got five kids in tow, plus my husband, and we go to, it was a Saturday night, I believe. It was very busy. It was during the summer. There were people everywhere. This is Hillcrest Park in Fullerton. And we get there, and I have this much courage. I have this much courage. I had none. I was like, I, you know, like... I mean, I've, I've made, I've, I did the thing at the Orange Circle, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not doing that again, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, basically, I'm like, okay, God, you're gonna have to open a door. You're gonna have to make a way, uh, but I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna show up, but I can't, I, the Lord showed me that it was, I was trying to do it for him rather than with him, by him, through him, and there's a difference, and so that's been the big learning curve, and I can look back and see that. But anyway, we get there, and we're walking along and they're over here to the right, there's a bunch of cars parked and there's a gang that is playing really loud gangster rap music and they're smoking pot and it's really strong, you know. And we're just timidly walking through the park with our kids and I'm like, okay, God, you know. And out of the corner where these gang guys are with their gangster music playing and everything, I hear one of them say, they look like the Brady Bunch. (laughs) And as soon as they said that, the boldness of the Holy Spirit came on me, and it was like, boom! I, was, I just started walking over there to them. And I, so I, I walk over to them, and I said, hey, I need to tell you something. And they're thinking, they heard what we just said. She's mad at us or something. And they are giving me like these killer death stares as I'm walking over there. I'm like, I've got to tell you something. And he's looking at me like this. Uh, there were about five of them. And I said, do you know how much Jesus loves you? And he, they kind of go, okay, you know, and what ensued was a half an hour conversation with these guys, sharing the gospel over, through conversation. Um, and what I learned, okay, so this guy, he was charismatic. He looked, have you ever watched Moana, the movie? You know Maui, the god, the shirtless guy with all the tattoos, this is what this guy looked like, okay? So he's standing there with all these tattoos and he was very charismatic. Um, And as we were talking, I find out, he said, yeah, I used to go to church. Um, I used to help with worship. And and inside, I'm going, "You what? You know, as I'm looking at him and the lifestyles he's living, he goes on to tell me he was a school counselor, high school guidance counselor, currently a high school guidance counselor. And inside, I'm going, what? You know, anyway, um, but he was very, you could see the power that he had over the guys that were with him. And he said, during the course of the conversation, he said, yeah, I'm probably going to die, you know, before long. I know that the lifestyle that I'm living, I'm, you know, I could die at any time. And and in my heart, I'm saying, don't you want Jesus? Don't you want salvation? But just like the Pharisees, he had his own kingdom. He had power. He had control. He had these people that you could tell these guys were under him. They were not going to do anything that he didn't okay. And... Um, but we shared, we shared with him, even though the heart, the you know, and they felt loved. We had this. I enjoyed the conversation. It was really fun talking to them. That was the Lord. So we leave that, right, and we go around a corner, and we uh, this cabin that's there on this. That a lot of times the Cub Scouts meet in and stuff. And there was this porch, and in the corner, in a dark corner, there were these group of kids sitting there, um, drinking, and it was dark. And I, again, I just felt like the Lord said, go. So my kids, everybody's following behind me, and I walk over, and I'm like, Jesus loves you so much. And they're like, what are you getting in our corner for? Get out of our corner, you know, kind of thing. And I felt in that moment, sing to them. I want you to sing the reckless love of, of God to them. You know, Corey Asbury song? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. Right, so we're singing this, and I turned to Cliff, and I said, come on, and I knew the girls knew it, and I was like, sing it with me. So we were standing there, and we're singing to these kids, and they just melted, they just were like, you're a little bit weird, you know, like, you're kind of (laughs) weird, but they also were, like, receiving the love of Jesus in that moment, and when we went home that night, Amy wept. She said, mom, I could feel the darkness. I could feel the hopelessness in them, and she was so, like, it freaked her out, because she could feel it so deeply, and, um, We left there. We walked down a hill. I saw another girl standing there watering her little puppy dog or whatever, and Jesus said, go. So I went over to her and I said, I just feel like Jesus wants you to know he loves you. I I felt like I was drawn to you, and she said, you will not believe this, but I've just been struggling so much, and I asked God for a sign tonight that he would speak to me, and you're that sign. So that was that night. Um, All that to say, that we need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. In my own strength, I'm fearful, I'm um, disappointed, I'm hard on myself, I can walk in shame, right? None of that belongs to us. The enemy wants us to be consumed with ourselves, worried about what people are going to say or how they're going to respond, and Jesus wants us to walk in the freedom that he's given us in him to shine our lights. All of you are radiant, radiant, and holy. That robe is yours. We all get it. We all get the robe, guys, when we receive Jesus. He puts the robe on us. Every single one of us are wearing the robe. We are radiant. We are shining lights for Jesus, and he wants us to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? So let's not give in. Let's not give in to the enemy. Let's not give in to his agenda to keep us in shame and fear. And, you know, now when we go, I just say, okay, Jesus, it's got to be you. I'm leaning into you. If you don't show up, and we went to the park the other day, I spoke to one person, and all I said was, I just feel God's affection. He just wants you to know that he sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. That was it. That was all I said the whole time. We walked past a bunch of people, but I know that I can't manufacture it on my own. So, our boldness looks different for all of us, you guys. We're all wired differently. Cliff is wired completely different for me. He's the anchor. I'm the kite flying around up here, you know. But he brings something to the body of Christ. So, his boldness is going to look different than mine. It could be writing a letter to an unbelieving family member. It could be sending a book or sharing a book with a neighbor um, or sharing the, you know. God can give, no matter who we are, he gives us the strength to share what he's done in us in our context where he brings us, right? Okay. So let's look back at the text because there is a little bit more that I want to go through. Verses 23 through 31. When they were released, okay, so they were put in jail, right, overnight. And when they were released, John and Peter went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers Uh, set themselves, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed for truly that's the end of the quote for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place and now Lord look upon their threats And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So, who do they say that God is, you guys? Let's look at the text. Who are they? They start off. Who do they say He is? Sovereign Lord. They start off with His sovereignty. They start out with His greatness. What else? Creator. Creator. It always um, encourages my heart when I go back and I remember that God is Creator, when I remind myself you've literally got galaxies that are hanging out there right now. You've got them all in place. You're, you're, you're managing all of that and individual lives. So it helps me to see the big picture and know, okay, if you're doing that, you can handle this little tiny thing that I'm going through. What else? Anything else you see there about who they say who he is? I, you know, when it, when it says that um, he spoke through his servant David, I love that. He speaks through his servants. He's a God who speaks through his servants. That's us. Right? And he so, and he's and in that within that context it means he's relational. So we've got this sovereign God who created everything and he's relational. So verse 26 it says, "Why did the gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed." So that particular quote is from Psalm 2 and what does it say that the Gentiles are doing? Raging. I, I experienced a little rage from a Gentile one time. Plotting. What else? And then at the end there it says threatening. Threaten threatened. Rage, plots, gathering together against the Lord, threatening. So nothing has changed. The spiritual battle rages on, right? This is still happening in our time. But we get to be a part of bringing his kingdom to earth. It's what we were created for, you guys when I start freaking out about everything that's happening out here, I go, okay, what, what's left other than you, you know being, a, being in your kingdom and furthering your kingdom? And then they mention his sovereignty again where they say whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And then further down they say, that what do they ask for after they say all these things, after they acknowledge, okay, this is who you are, God, and this is what they're doing, what do they ask for? To yes. What else? Your to speak your word with great boldness. Yes. Great boldness for him to stretch out his hand to heal Miraculous signs and wonders. Okay, and then in verse 31, how did God respond? Yes, he shook, he, he, there was an earthquake, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and what does it say at the very end there? He gave them the boldness that they asked for. So we're, as Sam said, a church that we, wanna, we want to do, we want to be an Acts church, right? We want to be walking in the boldness of Jesus. So Deanna, can you come up? be awesome. So let's just wait before the Lord for a couple of minutes. Lord, we love how good you are. You've made everything we see. Your power is unfathomable. Our brains are too small to wrap our minds around it. You're so great, God. You're so powerful. You're so wonderful. You created the intricacy of our cells with all their factories and goings-on, their garbage disposal, their, cell, their replication. You made DNA, God. And you made the billions of galaxies that are beyond our solar system. You made us. So you made all of those amazing things and you said it was good. And then you made us and you said it was very good. (laughs) Very good. All of that. And we get to be called very good. You delight in us, Lord. And you want to put yourself on glory and on display through our lives. So, Lord, we want to come like that first church in Acts. We want to come before you. Proclaiming your goodness. Acknowledging that it's hard out there. There are a lot of hard hearts and people who are very, very lost and blinded and don't know you. And they hate you, even. And then there's everything in between, Hearts are all over the place. But, Lord, we acknowledge before you that we need you. We need your boldness so that we can let our light shine before men. Father, forgive us where we've given into fear. Forgive us where we've allowed the enemy to shame us for who you've created us to be and the message that you've given us. And Lord, we we offer up our disappointment for where we have taken risks and we haven't seen fruit. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Fill us Fill us again. Fill us with your boldness. We want divine appointments with your boldness, Jesus. We want your spirit to fall on us when we come and when we're willing to just bring our weakness. You say, my power is perfected in your weakness. So we come against the lie of the enemy that says, you're too weak for this. Yeah, we're too weak. That's why we have Jesus who comes and meets and fills in everything that we lack. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So what I would like is for... To, If we have time, Sam, do we have some time to pray in twos and threes? Okay. So I would like us to just move our chairs and gather in groups of three or four. And let's lift up our voices. Let's lift up our voices to Jesus and ask for whatever the desire of your heart, whatever that sounds like from you. Let's lift up our voices. Let's pray together. Let's ask for the boldness that is It's our inheritance in Christ. So, feel free to stand up and grab your chair or just turn it toward two or three other people. Go ahead and find somebody that you, maybe somebody that you sometimes don't pray with. Just go ahead and grab. Let's be family right now. Go ahead and grab somebody. We need to, as a church, we need to ask for boldness, right? And uh, and let's do that.